Season's greetings, everyone. And yes, I can say season's greetings because it is definitely Christmas now. I've seen the Coca-Cola advert. I've already lost Whamageddon. I've got a plate of mince pies in front of me. The tree's set up. It's definitely Christmas. So don't turn off just because I've said season's greetings. Welcome to Bitch and Brew, a music, uh, a music about podcast life and everything. A podcast about music life and everything. Sorry, we're doing this live. I usually just take loads of time to do this intro uh, in my own time. And now someone's actually in the room with me. I'm feeling the pressure a little bit. Um, but this is a very special episode. This is episode number 33. I should have checked that before, <laughs> shouldn't I? God, this is an absolute shambles. <laughs> Um, This is episode number 33 and it is a very special episode of course, it is the Albums of 2018 podcast. Um, I just wanted to say before we get started on this, thank you so much uh, for the uh, incredible response to the last episode uh, which featured none other than my uh, dad, Mark Bomber Randon. We were, uh, our dad came down the other week actually and um, I think I mentioned this on the podcast, we went to go and see Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons and while we were getting drunk, we were, you know, reflecting on on the two and a half hours that we spent uh, recording that, and it was just such a great thing for both of us to do. Um, it was, it was, it was really wonderful. Something a bit different as well. I don't think many uh, podcasters can say that they've had their own dad on their podcast, but he really justified his position there, and and I'm I'm really stoked to hear that everyone had such a great time listening to it. Um, so I want to introduce my guest for this special. Um, he is someone I met through the world of music journalism, um, which then he quit to focus on his career as a full-time writer for magazines such as 3D Artist and 3D World. Um, that said, he may have quit the uh, sort of music journalism industry, but we have become great friends over the course of 2018, and I've often put my arm around him at gigs and half-drunkenly <laughs> shouted, I fucking love this band, into his ear. Um, so welcome to Bitch and Brew, Mr. Brad Thorne. Hello, how you doing? You can take your arm off me, by the way. <laughs> it's fine, we're cuddled up on my sofa, it's warm, it's nice It is nice We're in it's from lovely. the cold, we've got a plate of mince pies in front yeah. of us Yeah, well, by the way, what what is Whamageddon? Have you not... I've uh, not heard this, but it made me laugh Whamageddon, um, okay, so it's an online, uh, sort of social media driven game Where oh. people are uh, trying their absolute hardest not to... Um, intentionally listen to Last Christmas by Wham uh, until Christmas Eve. Wow. Yeah. I've already failed that, so I can't... Have you, have you heard it already? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, a couple of times. Yeah, it's yeah. it's come on the radio. I heard it at my Christmas party before mm. I even knew that Whamageddon was a thing. Yeah. So I feel like, oh, well, I've already kind of heard it now. Yeah. And I've heard it on the radio a couple of times. So whenever it's on the radio, they've had to be going like, spoiler alert, we're about to play Wham. If you're playing Whamageddon, turn the radio off. It's wow, a bit like when they do the football results. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't want to hear Wham, turn off now. It's great. I, I love it. It's it's um, it's Christmassy, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, before we get started, can I just ask you, because I know you're a huge film fan, mm-hmm. is Die Hard a Christmas film? Oh, this is, this is something I've been thinking a lot about this year. It seems to have really reignited this year, that argument. Seems yeah. to have kicked right back off. For me personally, yes, because I do. I watch it every Christmas. Correct, Christmas correct answer. It is a Christmas film. But not one of those Christmas films that is exclusive to Christmas. No. I don't think. No, you can watch it any time of the year. You can watch it any time of the year, but 
Yeah. It's you can't watch film. Muppet Christmas Carol any time of year. It is the best Christmas film ever yeah, made. Absolutely. Yeah. That's my Christmas Eve film. Yeah. Yeah. I normally I have to watch it earlier because I get so excited um, <laughs> <laughs> about watching it. Are you Are you quite a festive person? Do you Do you quite yeah. like Christmas? Yeah, I'm a big festive man. Uh, yeah. Big I, festive. <laughs> <man>. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love this time of year. It's It's just all about eating too much, drinking too much, being joyous like we are now cuddling on the sofa <laughs> yeah I absolutely love this time of year you know this yeah. is weird this is the first time I've ever recorded something in my own flat well apart from you know when we did the 2000 Trees preview yeah and I was talking to James over Skype um, but this is the first time I've ever recorded in a flat I'm usually I, used to I think it would be like a grimy venue or something people from bands to your flat all the time it might if you don't know them yeah you know. Well, if I knew them, it's fine. Yeah, like if, if Milk Teeth wanted to come on again and you know yeah. we have a we have a chat, then I'd I'd have them around for a cup of tea. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so Brad, obviously, I was saying earlier, um, you've um, you've had a very exciting year for your career as a as a sort of full time writer. Yeah. And uh, is it right? Three D artist and Three D World. Those are the two yeah. magazines that you write for. Yeah, they're magazines that kind of. Um focus on anything that's kind of computer generated art I suppose so I get to write about films and video games mm. and other things that I'm passionate about but I think the biggest thing is it's just um, expanded my my journalism capabilities kind of outside of music yeah. and, and although I've laid down the music journalist baton for now is that a thing? a baton, a baton uh, of you've laid down the baton <laughs> yeah um, You've hung up your music journalism snapback. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, or bucket hat, because everyone's yeah. wearing those now for some uh, reason. Yeah. But um, never say never. I'm not saying I'll never be a music journalist mm. again. Um, but it's made. It's definitely made me um, fall back in love with music. Yeah. A lot more. That's interesting. Don't always have perspective on something when you're inside of it. Mm. And when you're inside the music industry it can be a little bit overwhelming all the kind of bands that you're yeah that you're getting uh, pushed your way it's hard to play the game mm. yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> sorry that was very philosophical wasn't yeah, it yeah and it kind of street as well like hard to play yeah play the game <laughs> <laughs> don't hate the players yeah or, you know hate the players yeah <laughs> um, so yeah it's been a really good move for me but you know hopefully one day I'll be back writing about music Awesome. In some capacity. Well, you've been, you know, definitely keeping your tabs open on music this year, which mm -hmm. is why why I'd invited you on. And, um, you know, I suppose a little bit of explanation before we go into this. This is the third time that we've done an Albums of the Year special. And uh, previous times, uh, we've only ever done top tens. Um, but I decided this year, so the original plan was to get another guest in. Uh, but unfortunately those plans fell through it's just an awkward time of year for everyone yeah. really but um, you know thank you very much for joining me uh, today um, and uh, and we're going to have a great time but we decided when putting together our lists now I, I feel like this year has been a bit of a slow burn it hasn't been like 2016 was where it felt like a brilliant album was coming out every week yeah I agree and, and it was just like halfway through the year you don't know how you're going to get together a top 50 let alone a top 10 
Whereas this year, it kind of got to about September, October. I was like, oh, okay, I've got a top ten here that's pretty solid. Mm. But I've got loads of stuff that, like, I either haven't listened to because I've been so busy or, like, you know, I've kind of had to go back retrospectively while checking out all the albums that are still coming out in the tail end of the year. Yeah. And by the time I've actually got here, I've gone, wow, there, there are some real... There are some real great albums missing from my top 20. Yeah. yeah. It was dead hard putting together a top 20 in the end. How did you find it? Yeah, I mean, um, if this had been... If you'd have asked me to do a top 10, I would have just been pulling oh. my hair out. It's, yeah. Um, it's been a weird year. It started off amazing. And there are, there's, there are albums in, in my top 20 that came out in, you know, the opening weeks of the mm. year. Um, and then it kind of... It felt like in the middle of the year, yeah, it was maybe a little bit more sparse, and there's been yeah. some really great albums in the last two or three months. I don't know if there's been as many Stone Cold classics, maybe, as some of the years before. Yeah. I mean, time will tell how you look back on some of these well, records. Well, yeah, exactly. I feel like I had a massive pile of really good records, mm. and I had to somehow pick 20 of them and put them in order. I get that. Yeah, that's maybe like I think there's been one or two mm-hmm. this year yeah. that I think will stay with me until the grave. Yeah. <laughs> Very morbid. Yeah. But um uh when when you look at your list of 20, do you think there's like a, a sort of uh anything that the albums have in common or like a running theme through any of them? There's a few running themes. Okay. Which is something I I sort of came to realize yesterday when I was when I was finalizing it. There's a few things that, that rear their heads a few times, which I'll sort of discuss mm. as we go along, definitely. Okay. Yeah. What what I noticed this year um, is um, a lot of my albums are... You know, there's a couple of debut albums in there, and there's mm-hmm. a couple of albums from bands who are like a few albums down the line. Yeah. But what I noticed is that a lot of the albums are actually either second or third albums, follow-ups mm-hmm. to really promising debut or sort of sophomore yeah, albums definitely. that may have been in my list in 2016 or 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in some cases even 2014, and these are sort of long-anticipated uh, follow-up records. Yeah. Um, but I think a sort of lineage through a lot of the albums uh, in my in my top 20 is growth. Whether that's yeah. growth sonically, lyrically, aesthetically, mm-hmm. um, and it's awesome to see that a lot of these bands delivered really solid debut albums. You know, some of which are some of my favourite albums of the last few years, yeah. and they've come out with with follow up releases which which do those justice. And I think it's been yeah. a really good year for that. I think now that you've said that as well, something that I've definitely noticed is there's a lot of bands as you said on their second or third uh, maybe even fourth album that have that have made records that are really good entry points mm. bands that, that are notoriously quite challenging or divisive that, that have released an album that's a bit more palatable and there's quite a few of those albums yeah. on the list um, so we're going to crack on with it mm-hmm. I, I should also mention uh, we are doing the top 20 albums of the year this is going to be a fucking long podcast yeah um but we're should we do it in two parts? I I I was meant to ask you this before we started recording, but seeing as you're here now and we're on on mic, we're not live, we're on mic. Um, you are, you know, a very sort of devoted listener to Bitch and Brew, if yeah. I may say so. You you often message me about the podcast, and I really appreciate all the kind words you've said about it this year. So thank you. Um, very welcome. Uh, 
how how do you feel like we should do this? Should we just do one big bastard long podcast, or shall we split it up into two parts? Um, I think two parts. Okay. I, mean, I love a big bastard as much as the next, much as the next <laughs> man. But I think for the for the sake of maybe the structure, maybe do the top ten. Ten and ten, maybe. Ten and Ish. ten, and then the golden tea bags on the end of the second one. Yeah, I so, think so the golden tea bags, I should mention, is yeah. our sort of our other awards. Yes. Um. So, uh, we're obviously doing top twenty albums. Then we're going to do um sort of smaller categories for EP of the year. Um. Sorry, I've forgotten all the other categories. You've got it written. No, I've sorry, I'm the down. fucking host. I should know this. Yeah. Uh, EP of the year, gig of the year. Mm-hmm. Um. Label of the Year, Song of the Year, and finally, Band of the Year. That's it might not be in those orders, but then we're going to obviously do Best Hair as well. Yeah. Um, best uh, Independent Wrestling Pay-Per-View. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm prepared for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, Best Supermarket uh, Mince Pie, Ooh. I'd have to say. Yeah, it's possibly, exactly possibly Waitrose, Heston Blumenthal's, uh, lemon mince pies. Do you think? Pretty banging. I um, Morrison's do it great, and I know you don't like Morrison's. Oh, Morrison's is bin, mate. They what do, are you uh, talking about? Well, I've become quite a big fan of the puff pastry mince pie, which is okay. controversial. A lot of people don't. Yeah, no, don't I'm a like I'm that. a short crust mince yeah, pie can, or GTFO I really. That, I think mm. you, you carry yourself like a short crust. Man. Um, I'm, I quite like puff pastry mince pies mm. but there's room for both this time of year that's me with a mouthful of mince pie by the way <laughs> really fucking professional um, right so let's crack on um, yeah where where we've done a top 20 instead of a top 10 I didn't want to spend a huge amount of time on honourable mentions because mm. whenever we've done it it's basically turned into a podcast in itself of albums that didn't make the cut yeah but I do just want to give a really quick shout out to five albums which didn't make the cut, and that is uh, World's Greatest Dad, uh, the Vane album didn't make my list, uh, didn't make my top twenty. Uh, the Black Queen, their second yeah. album, Infinite Games, is wicked. Um, oh my god, the motherfucking Cancer Bats didn't make my list. It's the best album they've done since Hell Destroyer. Um, arguably, in arguably, my opinion, I think Dead Sound Living is a is a great album. But yeah, um, it's my favourite since Hell Destroyer. It's certainly the best in a in a while. And so yeah, that surprise album they did, um, it's fucking incredible. But it didn't make my list. Really? And then the yeah. one I think I'm I'm most sore about not getting in my top twenty, just because I think I didn't spend enough time with it, is the Architects album. Mm-hmm. Um, but by all accounts, from the two or three times I've listened to it it is fucking incredible so those are the sort of honourable mentions um, I'm gonna just, shall I uh, Brad I'm gonna let you start you're my guest yeah. um, is there any real quick honourable mentions you wanna just yeah, rattle through there's a few um, The Dirty Nil didn't make it into my top 20 which mm. considering how much I love that record just didn't love it quite as much right. as the other 20 friends of the podcast friends of the podcast friends of friends of all yeah, um, they'll always be your friend. Yeah, um, unless there's that one guy that was down the front row at that gig. I was about to say that that um, that just started shouting Canada. Yeah, well and done, the guy that, that band from Canada. And, and <laughs> busted my nose. Um, 
And I tweeted about that quite angrily. Somebody hit my nose, I've got a nosebleed. And the Dirty Nil tweeted me, and they were so nice yeah. and, and so Canadian about it that I felt really bad. I felt, I felt like a <laughs> so whiny Canadian. Little... <laughs> Is that racist? No. No, they were, no. They were lovely people. Yeah. Um, so I deleted my tweet and, and swallowed my words, but I... Yeah, I'm not a nice guy that hit me. <laughs> <laughs> it was when they did their Hit the Lights cover, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and, and some guy just went raggo. It, it was a, a full-on uh, jacket made of patches kind of guy. Yeah, that just a battle jacket. I think yeah, battle jacket, thank you. Yeah. So yeah, sorry, go back to your honourable mention. So yeah, the Dirty Nell didn't make your list. Um, nervous, didn't make my list. Wow. Really lovely record. Um, Parkway Drive. They make my list. I think wow, really? Reverence is is a really underrated record this year. Mm. People seem to be lukewarm on it. I don't get that. I it's a great it's, album. I think it's great. Mm. Uh, that is kind of all the honourable mentions I can think of. But, okay, because yeah, the ones that stand out. Little behind the scenes, peek behind the curtain here. We have swapped lists mm-hmm. so that we gave ourselves a chance to listen to any albums that we may not have checked out beforehand. Mm-hmm. There are definitely a couple of albums on your list that I hadn't checked out beforehand and. Thank you. Um, we'll get onto those in a bit. Um, and there are a couple of albums on my list that you hadn't checked out. Yeah. So we wanted to make sure we were kind of on a level playing field. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are probably a few overlaps in terms of albums. So yeah. let's let's see how these uh, let's see how these chats go. But I'm going to let you start with your number twenty. My number twenty is rated Nar by Tusky. Mm. Uh, Nar as in G N A R. Gnarly. Um Dutch, Dutch punk rock bands. Are they Dutch? They're Dutch, yeah. Oh, wow. Maybe initially what, what made me sort of take a second glance right. at them. Um, it's just really great. It's, for me, very nostalgic. It's got that almost Tony Hawk's pro skater kind of <laughs> punk energy yeah. to it. It's a really fun record. Very interested to hear what you thought about it. Um yeah, what did you think about it? I, I really, really liked it. So th- this one I I hadn't heard from your list, so I was like, I'm going to go check it out. I was quite surprised when I heard them, because I think, I didn't they tour in Europe with Black Peaks? I think they have, yeah. Yeah, so I was expecting something a little more sort of left of centre and progressive. Yeah. But that uh, first song that it opens on, White Dress... Yeah. Which I think might actually be my favourite song on the album. Like the best song is the opener, mm-hmm. um, "White Dress." Sounds like the Bronx. It's wicked. I love it. Yeah, it's um, exactly that kind of exactly mm, that kind raucous of thing. punk rock. Great yeah. to drink beers too. Yeah, really is rated now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like. Think, I really, um, I really like it. It's interesting that you say you're expecting it to be a bit more progressive. It isn't progressive by anyone's standards, really. But I think it's a lot cleverer, cleverer, smarter. Mm. Um, <laughs> cleverer is a word. Is it? Yeah. Okay. We'll go with um, that. It's a lot cleverer than I think it, you would think at first. Mm. Listen, they're very talented musicians. There's a lot of kind of off-kilter riffs. In a similar way to Nervous, you know how the guitars in Nervous are. Yeah. Very clever. They're very, very good musicians. Mm. It's got a similar thing. It's got a similar thing to that. And there's tons of... I hear tons of Billy Talent, a little bit of... Maybe oh, a little bit of Alcantara, yeah. that yeah. sort of... That sort of thing. Yeah. It's made for them. Well, I was really it. quite surprised. Now, I don't have the track listing in front of me, so you have to forgive me. The second to last song, um, I was quite surprised when I heard a little bit of blast beats in there as well. Yeah, I've got that written down. Yeah. yeah. That is, um, it's great when bands sneak things like that. Yeah, it kind of, into t- not, it kind of 
caught me off guard a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of that. That was probably my second favorite song on is the that, album. I've I only listened to. You it. will not regret this, maybe. Um, yes, that's uh, yeah. Down in the latter. Yeah, yeah. Album. That's a real standout, real standout track. I think "Going Out" is probably one of my songs okay. of the year that's been on heavy rotation. Real good album, really great album. Lovely stuff. So that's Tusky, spelt T-U-S-K-Y. Yeah. From Holland, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Um, or the Netherlands, sorry. The Netherlands, um, yeah. And uh, the album is called Rated Gnar, as mm. in gnarly. Lovely stuff. So that's your number twenty. My number twenty um, is an album. Now this is uh, it is an album. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know very much about this band. Um, the only thing I know about it is it came out on Holy Raw Records, which is a uh, label I think we'll be talking about a lot over the duration yeah, of this podcast. We'll certainly be talking about them later. Um, so apart from that, I don't really know very much about this band at all. Uh, I checked out the album uh, a few weeks ago just because I listen to anything that comes out on Holy Raw mm-hmm. um, and um, yeah this just instantly uh, struck a chord with me and instantly found its way into my top 20 the band called Slow Crush and the album is called Aurora it is their debut album and it comes from a scene that I thought I was pretty much done with for a li- at least for a little while it's kind of part of that whole wave of, of shoegaze revival bands Definitely. which have been really good. There have been some really good examples of it, but it has been quite saturated. Mm-hmm. It got to a point where a band, different band was coming out every week and I was like, we get it, you like Slow Dive. <laughs> um, there have been some really good bands from that scene. Though. I, I always shout out um, uh, Rain in particular. They're on Venn Records. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I absolutely adored the uh, second album by Nothing, um, Tired of Tomorrow, mm-hmm. it was what it was called. But... Um, I was actually, nothing brought out a new record this year called Dance on the Blacktop, and I was really disappointed by it. I thought it was really, really dull. It was nothing by name and nothing by nature to me. (laughs) It was really, really dull. Um, And then I heard this, and it filled that void kind of left by the nothing record. It is drenched in, in, in reverb, the guitars. Um, they, it has a really massive cinematic sound. Um, very sort of soundscapey in places. Um, but then there's something sort of a bit harder-edged sort of driving it along. Something yeah. a little bit punkier, which is why I think they're on Holy Raw. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the opening track, Glow. You expect a sort of album of this nature to open with sort of a slow build, and this just goes instant... Yeah. You know, instant uh, uh, wave of noise, if you will. It kind of reminds me in places of early, early Milk Teeth. So, more the guitar tone. Yeah. I see you looking a little bit puzzled there. I don't <laughs> think vocally it's definitely not like Milk no. Teeth. Definitely in that sort of fuzzed out, yeah. slightly washed out guitar I think tone. The, the key difference being how buried the vocals sound in this. Would you say buried? I think. I mean, first of all, I was really pleased to see this on mm. your list because it was definitely on my long list. Mm. It's an album I, I really like. Oh, cool. Um, but I think if there was one thing that that maybe bothered me ever so slightly about it, it's maybe I'd like the vocals to be... Really? A little bit. See, she I... sounds like a really great vocalist. But yeah, I, I believe her name I is Isa. That's not what they're going for. I think uh, she's from Manchester. I believe her mm-hmm. name is Isa. Okay. Um, I may be mispronouncing that. I'm sorry if you're listening. Um, the the vocals are really low down in the mix. 
Um, and again, they're very reverby. Yeah. Uh, sort of very ethereal. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't hear any of the lyrics. No. I don't know what she's singing about. <laughs> um, she could be singing. How much bi- she loves the Bitch and Brew podcast. It's <laughs> definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow polka dot bikini, but. <laughs> She could be singing the fucking Macarena, for, for all I know. Um, but I feel like it kind of works almost like an additional instrument. It kind of works like a, a sort of synth in a way. 100%, yeah. Um, That's what I've got in my notes. Yeah, I, I, I really like the fact that the vocals are really sort of low down in the mix. It's definitely intentional. It's definitely mm. what they're going for. Oh, yeah, That's absolutely. It's more of a personal yeah. side. And me. I don't think I, I don't I don't think it necessarily loses any of the energy. No, That's the no, thing with no. the nothing record. The vocals similarly low down the mix, but you can tell that the vocals are pretty shoddily done, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. Sound a little bit lazy and just a bit half arsed. Yeah. And I get that for you you know, it's obviously gonna have that sort of lackadaisical delivery yeah. but it, it it didn't feel like it had any heart behind it at all, which is always what I loved about Nothing. Yeah. I'm not going to use this as an opportunity to slag off the Nothing <laughs> record, because, you know, it's it's not terrible. It I've just... not actually listened to it, because the, mm. across the board, people have been saying it's it's a pretty underwhelming, so I haven't got it, to it. Yeah, yeah, I, I I did not vibe with it as nearly as much as I wanted to. But, um, yeah, this, this album, it's not necessarily doing anything new. Um, well, I think, if you're listening... And you're thinking about shoegaze, and that term puts a lot of people off. I think mm. maybe go and check this out because it's got, as you said, it's got a lot more beef yeah. to it. It's got riffs that you can grab onto, mm. and, and instruments that will actually carry you through. It's a lot, and it's a lot nicer produced than a lot of shoegaze yeah. stuff. So if shoegaze is a bit of a dirty word, mm. you, <laughs> I would I would recommend people people check this out yeah I'd recommend the opening track Glow mm-hmm. is one of my favourites uh, on this record uh, the sort of I guess lead single uh, from uh, from this album is called I'm just looking at it it's called Tremble mm-hmm. that one is much sort of uh, slower paced and again that sort of soundscapey type thing going on a beautiful video as well and then a sort of uh, a song that kind of works as kind of a, a midway between those two kind of vibes is a song called Aid and Abet mm-hmm. in sort of in the middle of the that's album that's my favourite one yeah the album, I think. yeah cool I really like it. so that's Slow Crush and Aurora it's their debut album it's out now on Holy Raw Records like I said not necessarily doing anything new but there's a fucking lot to be said about a band from yeah. that kind of world who in 2019 made me kind of stop what I was doing and just stare at the open Spotify window on yeah. my computer yeah stare at the artwork as well it's got a real oh it's beautiful nice, artwork yeah. I want to get it on vinyl actually because yeah, it's got a sort got of purple purple black marbled vinyl yeah um, so yeah your number 19 yeah my number 19 is Cheer by Drug Church. Yes. Well, this this is something I was quite glad to not get on the list. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, a top 20 list is only ever a kind of a moment in time that you write it down. I think if I was writing my top 20 at the end of this month, this album might even be higher. Really? It's something I just keep listening to over and over and just mm. loving more every time. Um... What would you call them, kind of? I I suppose they're kind of hardcore, tinged, alternative rock. Yeah, 
Because they've kind of been lumped in with the pop-punk crowd yeah. a little bit. And I would say, in this day and age, that is a damning thing for dr- drug church yeah. to have experienced. In If I was the boss of the world, which I'm not, um, but if I was, this is what pop-punk would sound like. Mm. Or, or bands doing things that are as interesting as this, which a lot of pop-punk doesn't always yeah I think it's fair to say I agree through mouthfuls of mince pie <laughs> um in fact in my notes I was I was having some beers while I was doing my notes last night so I have got some funny uh, phrases <laughs> this isn't one of the funniest ones I've some beers I've just written pessimistic pop punk it is because this bloke is pissed uh, Patrick Kindlin I think is his name he's from self defence family yes yeah I know there was a, a tie there he's pissed off Definitely pessimistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, this album's fucking great. It's it's really great. Um, it's got one thing that is guaranteed to just hook me in straight away, which is a uh, guitars that kind of sound like the Cure. Yeah. Um, particularly if you're talking uh, about the song Dollar Story. Okay. That's got kind of real sort of Cure esque guitars. Mm. That's something I just go mad for. Yeah, I've also got um, a lyric. Guy with a search history, dark in the sea trench, telling you how to live. Like everyone knows a guy like that, don't they? You know I've exactly. lived with a guy like that. <laughs> I've lived with a guy like that who was like, "Yeah, yeah, I've been on the deep web," and I'm like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. Like a SWAT team is going to come bursting through our <laughs> fucking windows, like. Yeah. Yeah. His his this guy's turn of phrase, is just amazing. The, it's the, great. Yeah, and it it's never kind of, sloganeering like mm. you get in kind of other forms of pop yeah. maybe but it, they're just great little phrases that really stick with you mm. definitely and what you were saying about the Cure guitar tones on tracks like Dollar Story I equally love the real buzzsaw guitar tones on mm-hmm. uh, like the singles to Strong References and Weed Pin Weed Pin is a huge song yeah. those sort of really really fucking gnarly guitars Yeah, uh, just gives it something harder and something uh, you know the 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 opening track is called Grubby. That's something I've really taken away from it. It's a dirty record. It's um, it's almost like um, it reminds me of uh, you know a band obviously very close to this podcast heart. Um, it reminds me a lot of Muskets. Um, yeah, it's got that sort of similar. Yeah, vibe. yeah, mm-hmm. and it's in a similar sort of vein. I like that Muskets record. I yeah. like it a lot. Um, but this this just goes to. Some really, it goes to some really dark places, but it keeps it keeps it melodic and keeps it catchy yeah. and and it's really catchy. I mean, a lot of the songs will stick in your head. Yeah, especially Weed Pin. I think yeah. it's incredible. That is single. definitely a standout. And it is pissed off. They've been on tour with uh, Boston Manor and the Story So Far quite a lot. So if yeah. you like that, if you like the Story So Far and you kind of listen to the new record this year, you didn't like the sort of shoegazy elements of that. Yeah, um, the cleaner production. Yeah, there's, uh, if you if you found yourself a little bit shortchanged by that Story So Far record, I'd go and check out this Drug Church record. Similar, similar to what I just said about about shoegaze mm. in regards to to the last band. I think you know if pop punk is a term that puts you off a little bit. Don't don't let it put you off. No, this record. Um, much more on the punk side than the pop side. Definitely, yeah. Cool. So that's Cheer by Drug Church. Um, my number nineteen uh, is Dose Your Dreams by Fucked Up. Wow. So this is the first time I've ever listened to Fucked Up. Yeah. Um, and as first impressions go, I don't think it gets any better. <laughs> um, 
credit credit where credit's due here. Um, I'd like to give a shout out at this point to Stephen Hill over at the uh, brilliant podcast Riot Act because when I first heard uh, the review of this, I thought it was one of the finest pieces of music journalism I've ever consumed, I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, I, you know, we if you listen to Riot Act, you know how much Steve fucking loves this album, and mm-hmm. rightly so. But, um, you know, he made brilliant points about the fact that a lot of people think that people from the rock crowd can be quite small-minded. Yeah. And really, we, we can't. And I think the perfect way to sort of sum that up is is through this album. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and I'm going to say this for quite a few albums on this list, there is so much going on on yeah. this album. Um, it is a double album. It's a concept album. It's 18 tracks, mm-hmm. 82 minutes long. Um, and it's compelling almost from beginning to end. Yeah. Uh, I think all you need to do to be able to understand just how much is going on with this record is listen to the opening track, None of Your Business Man, mm-hmm. uh, which starts with a lovely little delicate uh, piano solo, so beautiful and tender, and then it goes into some some sort of choral elements... And then uh, it just swells into this massive nihilistic punk song. Yeah. But uh, I say nihilistic, but it's also really joyous. Yeah, it is. It It reminded me a little... um, It's got that kind of energy of, like, rancid, you know, when you want to just... Yes, yeah. It doesn't necessarily sound like it that much, but it's got that same Mm. kind of bouncy... Yeah. Well, Father Damien, the singer of Fucked Up, or the, the lead singer of Fucked Up, um, he, he's he got this raspy sort of bellow to he him. He sounds like uh, Wade, who now, who now fronts Gallows. Oh my god, I hadn't quite put to that me. together. Yeah, he does sound like Wade. Canadian, yeah. So, that, so naturally they would, but it's that very similar smoke 70 cigarettes a day. So <laughs> kind of rasp isn't it it's so gutsy but yeah. it's kind of moving in its own weird way yeah uh, it's got tons of charisma to it I've heard he's equally like that live he's very charismatic mm-hmm. he's quite a presence um, and I like how he shares lead vocal duties with about half of the band on yeah. this album so like uh, I don't I don't have know any of the other band members names but you've got like the guitarist and primary songwriter I think he believe I believe he sings on uh, normal people mm-hmm. and uh, then their bassist Sandy Miranda I believe is her name uh, shares a lot of vocals with uh, with Father Damien on like you know especially with the opening tracks mm-hmm. none of your business man and raise your voice Joyce um, yeah like I said I I feel like this one is so varied yeah. and even now I've listened to this album probably about seven or eight times because it's a long old listen Yeah, it's quite hard to listen to it all in one sitting it's a long listen but it, at the same time it flies by when you do put it on yeah yeah exactly yeah. it's more it's a long listen necessarily in that you've got to make time to listen to it because yeah. you've also got to give it time as well it's a punk rock record mm-hmm. but it really requires your concentration yeah. and every focus listen you give to it you get something new out of it and I I think the stuff I think I prefer the most on it is that sort of post-punkier material so Normal People yeah. which has that kind of almost lo-fi uh, early 2000s New York sound to it reminds me of the Strokes a little bit on mm-hmm. Is This It yeah. um, there's a song later on the album uh, called The One I Want Will Come For Me um, there's bits on there where they sound like the Wild Hearts 
which is a huge yeah. amount, a huge compliment. I can get. I don't want to live in this world anymore. Is a standout track for me. Yeah, I've not checked out any other fucked up albums yet because I just it's been a busy time. Yeah. This came out in the latter half of the year. It came out around September yeah, or late September or early October. Mm. So it's been uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a busy time since that. But I am desperate to go back and check out all the other fucked up albums. That's some good stuff. I've only listened passingly to the other stuff for the right. same reasons as you. You know, I've been listening to to this album, mm. but I've I've checked out some of the other stuff. Very good. If you like this, you'll like that. Cool. Um, you're you're keeping quite tight lipped about this at the moment. We're going to be talking about it later on. Yeah, I don't think that's a spoiler. No, for sure. <laughs> so fucked up. Dose your dreams is my number nineteen. Sorry, we went on about that one a bit. Um, Brad, what's your number eighteen? My number eighteen is around my notes my number 18 is Hold On To Your Heart by The Excerpts mm. another one we might um, <laughs> <You're> eating... <laughs> is that your second mince pie? no this is my first mince pie oh, mate. Okay. Mm. sorry I'm going to put the mince pie down we'll take a mince pie break in a bit I haven't had one yet. I'm looking forward to one though mm. um, yeah so The Excerpts and Hold On To Your Heart yeah. why is this your number 18 Brad? Why is it my number eight? Um, because I didn't like it as much as the other 17. <laughs> um, no, that sounds quite negative. This is an amazing album. It's just it's just bangers for days, isn't it? This is this must have been when I was drinking the beers last night because my notes, I've got bangers for days, sax equals yes. <laughs> <laughs> it has been... As has been pointed out on a few other podcasts, the year of the sax. Year of the sax. If I'm not mistaken, this was the first record to do it of the year as well. I feel like it really opened the year um, with um, oh, sax is sax is cool again, and then yeah. Ghost came along with my asthma and Papa Nihil doing his yeah. bit on the sax. Yeah, I think this is my probably my favourite use of the sax. I would year. agree. Yeah, it's, it's full E Street band bombastic. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Um. It's a really nice album, which I think is worth mentioning. There aren't mm. many albums on my list that you can describe as nice albums. I could play this to my mum, and she'd probably love it. Yeah. Or even my nan, maybe. Um, it's got that kind of... You just mentioned the E Street Band. Mm-hmm. That's a really good reference point. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. It is, it's just kind of... Overblown, but not in a negative way. Mm. You know. Yeah. Um, you're bomb- staying really it's bomb- quiet because I am staying really quiet. I know because it is really on my like list. This record. I do really love this record. I definitely agree with the bombast side of things. Yeah. Um. Uh. You know, we're going to talk a lot about two thousand trees. I think in this in this podcast because yeah, we both went. Uh, did you see the excerpt set on the main stage? I did. You did. Yeah. Murray was being Murray McLeod, their guitarist and singer, was being the biggest tart on the planet on that <laughs> stage, wasn't uh, he? Yeah, 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 yeah. But he pulls it off. He, he really does. Pulls it off, by all means, carry he, on. He's found yeah. a swagger that is absolutely irresistible, <laughs> yeah. both live and on this record. Yeah, and it's a really, it's a really varied record as well yeah yeah it is you can go from from we are gonna live or daydream to the title track Mm. they've got very different vibes but it all kind of comes together in this amazing it's very different from their yes yeah it is well it's a lot 
nicer. Mm. Um, but it is still distinctly the excerpts. Definitely. No filler. It's just, it's like a great hits album. All killer. All killer, no filler. <laughs> I think is, is the best way to kind of round it up. It's just great. It is. Sunshine, bangers. Yeah. I mean, why aren't this band, I'm not asking you directly, Danny, why aren't this band massive? Why? <laughs> <laughs> they, they played Brixton the other day, opening for Yumi at Six. Oh, yeah. And I am... Perturbed, frustrated, and quite angry at the fact that they are not at Brixton in their own right. Yeah. Something ridiculous like 10 years since their debut album. Now it's coming up to that, or it, or it has passed that now. Um, it's around that time. And they are not in Brixton yet. The world is cruel, Brad. I mean, these are pop rock mm. songs, aren't they? Like, you Absol- have yeah. them middle of the day, Radio 1. They should be. I I'm a little bit sad that I haven't heard more of this on the radio. I know, yeah, and they should be halfway up main stages at, at festivals like Reading. Yes. Or where or wherever. Well, they did the main stage at Reading before putting this album out. They, they did, did it last they were, year. Were they first they, on? Or they were first on, and they were on at the very last minute because there was a last minute cancellation. Yeah. And I don't think they played to very many people, and I think that's crying shame. Yeah, I'd like to maybe see him. Yeah, I would like to see him on the main stage at somewhere like Reading. Mm-hmm. Maybe on the, maybe not even on the quote unquote rock day next year, because yeah. we're not going to go into the Reading lineup on this podcast. <laughs> That's another chat for another time. I wouldn't even like to see him on the Foo Fighters day. I'd like to see him on the day with the nineteen seventy five. Yeah, just to put them in front of that audience. That would really gravitate to them. I think. Absolutely. I mean, we're sort of making it sound like this record really flew under the radar. I mean, it was pretty big for them wasn't it like, oh it was huge a lot of yeah people. I feel like more people list, I think. more people from our scene talked about this record than any other excerpts record yeah. when it came out and I know it's not everyone's favourite excerpts record but I don't think it's my favourite excerpts record okay actually. we'll um, talk We'll talk about that in a bit yeah yeah because it is <laughs> it is on my list yeah um, I, we're trying not to give away too many spoilers here no but um, uh, yeah um, Hold On To Your Heart by the excerpts um, a wonderful wonderful album indeed um, my number 18 is um, definitely one of the most anticipated albums of 2019 um, there was so much weight and expectation resting on Marmoset's shoulders. Mm. Um, and I suppose that's the price you pay for making a 10 out of 10 British rock record. Yeah. The way they did with the weird and wonderful Marmosets. Yeah. Um, when I first heard Knowing What You Know Now, I initially found it very unsettling. I was like, this is what they went with? Like three, three and a half years on from the weird and wonderful yeah. since it since it was it released. Was a long away to it was a long, long old time. I was like, "Fucking hell, TikTok guys!" Yeah. Then I got the album. And I was like, "Okay, right, let's go." And I initially found it. I didn't dislike it. No. But um, I got sent the album because I was interviewing Becca. Mm-hmm. I was in that very lovely position of getting sent an advanced copy of the album. You've been in that position before. You know. Yeah. You know I mean, the I score. reviewed this. This album, yeah, for Dork magazine, I believe. Right, okay, and I interviewed her for Dork, so, Mm. um, but by the third or fourth listen, something clicked, and I saw Marmosets for what they had truly become, 
and what they had truly created. And that is a hip-shaking, energetic and vital rock record. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping tight lips on this one too. Because yeah. this We've is, got a lot of clashes, haven't it's we? About, it's about half and half, I think. Okay. I think we've got about ten different records and about ten that are the same. It's so this album is definitely less schizophrenic and far more linear. Yeah. I would say than the weird and wonderful, but I think Marmosets definitely worked that to their advantage. Yeah, and I think although you say that, I think it's worth saying it's it's less abrasive, but it's kind of no less weird. Yeah. It still goes to some some kind of strange places. Yeah. Because you've got those big swaggery rock dance floor anthems, mm-hmm. things like play. Um, Lost in Translation is a personal favourite of mine from the record, yeah. and uh, Suffocation towards the end of it as well. Uh, but then, like you say, it does go into some weird places. The song Insomnia, I know, has been quite divisive yes. amongst its fans. Um, to me, that sounds almost like Bjork meets Arcade Fire. Um, yeah. And then there's... Uh, I think I, I think it's beautiful, and I think um, it is testament to, to Becca McIntyre's vocal development especially with her cleaner vocals. I feel like they're now on a par with her... that that fucking banshee scream mm-hmm. that she's got. I feel like her clean vocals are on a par, if not better, than yeah. her scream now. Um, and then the, you know, the sort of another golden moment of many golden moments on this record is Me and You, which is a beautiful tribute to um, Becca and her brothers, obviously, who are also in the band, yeah. their grandmother, who passed away um, after the release of The Weird and Wonderful. But I think the level of attitude and ambition on this record is stunning. Yeah. You know, we're talking a lot about attitude with some of these albums, and I'm so stoked that Marmosets are unlocking their full potential as just straight-up badasses. Yeah, I've seen them live a couple of times on this record, and mm-hmm. the sort of... Uh, personality, this sort of larger-than-life rock star personality that they're all developing now on stage. It's not just Becker; it's kind of all of them now. Yeah, um, they're a unit. Every, every kind of they are a something. unit for sure. Yeah, a lot of people love this record, but yeah. a lot of people were quite lukewarm on this record. But I, I would say, I don't get that. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's brilliant. Yeah. And um, I think if you did check out this record and you weren't one hundred percent fond of it. I would maybe go back to it if you've only listened to it once when I listened to it once I found it unsettling it is again another slow burn record mm-hmm. third or fourth listen something will click and I guarantee you you will love it almost as much as the weird and wonderful almost as much I think I still prefer the first record yeah I, th- I think the first record is a 10 out of 10 for me and this is a solid 8 pushing a 9 so that's um, Knowing What You Know Now by Marmosets is my number 18. To be continued. To be continued. <laughs> Brad, number 17. My number 17 is uh, Loss by Pine. Are we going with Pine? I've heard it Pine, I've heard it Peen. Yeah. And I I've heard it Pigeon. Pigeon. I think it's almost certainly not. I mean, pigeon. It, it's not pigeon. No, it's not pigeon. <laughs> I know it's not pigeon. It um, could be peen, but I believe it's peen. Another holy raw record. Another holy raw record. Um, a debut album, I believe. Is it? I think so. Yeah. They, yeah, I think they've only done EPs up to this point. I mean, I'll preface this with I don't know a lot 
about this band. Okay. This might be the most kind of recent album that I've kind of yeah discovered think... on my list. Mm-hmm. But I've listened to it a lot. Um, I've been listening to it while I play Red Dead Redemption Two, um, and it's got this amazing cinematic atmospheric quality. Yeah. And and that's just become a new thing that I do. Mm. I, I stick Red Dead on and I play this album. <laughs> um, so the album's called Loss, and that is the kind of the theme and the story. Do you don't do you know much about how this record kind of came together? So I I did read a bit about it. Um, th- this is a great record, by the way. It's it's not mm-hmm. on my list, but I. So I did read a bit into going back to the theme thing. I did read a bit into it. They did a lot of it, it's it's about the way people process uh it's about the bereavement process yeah. and yeah. and the sort of and the loss process in general it doesn't necessarily have to be bereavement um but um they did a lot of interviews with people who have personally experienced loss yeah so um yeah so they got kind of contributions from people kind of sharing their experiences mm. of of grief and as i understand it they've been kind of chopped up and mi- and kind of mixed in right okay and so so you can't really kind of hear them for no. I certainly can't but um but they're in there and um maybe it's something that you discovered gradually over time I've only listened yeah. to this record about three or four times I think it um it's it is so evocative mm. of that theme um and that that theme does kind of bleed through the album as you're I mean even how um if you look at the track listing, it's essentially the structure of the record is the stages of grief as well. Um, but the track listing has kind of been separated in so it's so it's in four sides, like a vinyl, so I believe it's kind of designed to be listened to on vinyl. Um, and you've got kind of denial, detached, distress on side A and blanche and blush. And then unspoken is the kind of 18 minute song. Which is incredible. Yeah, it is, it is definitely a high point the album and then you've got kind of squalor and squander on the last side this record's over an hour long as well yeah it is a long, a long old listen record but again it, it doesn't um doesn't drag and it it's not kind of too chin strokey either because we, we should say that it's basically an instrumental record there are vocals that there are vocals on maybe two maybe three yeah, of the tracks real heavy real mm. heavy vocals yeah as well um it's just really great i've I've just really gravitated towards this record it's it's a weird one because it it is a dark record and you know even talking about it now i'm thinking about the the themes yeah of it It, it's thematically crushing just as much as it is sonically crushing yeah um but it's also very don't know if beautiful is the right word to use. I think it is. I've used that quite a lot. It, it's got some real melodic, mo- really euphoric melodic moments. Um, I, I, so this year I've I've been listening to a lot of this kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I've been quite late to the party with this whole post metal thing because mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the genre you would perhaps pigeonhole it it's into. It's what I would call it. Yeah. So in very much if you like Neurosis, if you like Cult of Luna, uh, Amon Ra is another band I. Yeah. Find it, yeah. It's sort of one of the sort of standouts of that scene. If you like that, you need to listen to this record. Yeah. Because it is yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean it has um I mean it 
it will definitely resonate you if you have experienced some kind of grief, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, which um, it, it will really resonate you with mm. you, I think. Um, and it's so musically accomplished as well. So even if you... If, yes, yeah. You know, it, it's a real kind of music. Uh, do you know about this thing, the, the shepherd tone? Have you heard about this? No, no. I'm not... Hundred percent, kind of, but it, but it, it's a really cool thing that I've sort of discovered, that I believe this record kind of ends on. It's like a audio equivalent of a kind of visual illusion that you know when you see those kind of barber poles and they look like the patterns kind of never ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's essentially like that with a with a a musical tone, and it it gives off the impression that the note that is kind of descending forever mm. it's a really unsettling audio trick Hans Zimmer uses it in his oh, okay. soundtracks quite a lot and Pina have used it at the end of this this album and it, it is it's really unsettling it almost can can make you feel a bit physically kind of sick if you listen to a shepherd mm. tone it's a super unsettling sound isn't it? a little bit nauseating yeah yeah, I um I found that a lot with the instru- the instrumentation on this album is brilliant. Um, w- w- sorry, we are um going on about this yeah. a little bit, but um uh the the strings, especially on this record, the sort of the scratchiness of the violins, yeah. um you know the violins can be really you know very very serene and lush, and then uh it's almost like that sort of swell of the uh strings that you hear in the soundtrack to the shining mm. at times that sort of very suspenseful yeah scratchy almost you know makes your skin kind of feel a bit it weird really does that's yeah, I, but, but I, in a great way like i love it when an album does that yeah and yeah. It, it's not always an easy thing to have a kind of a physical effect no on someone when you're making music no so. there's this this record and the daughter's record did that for me this year yes i yeah. felt like i was going to throw up the first time i heard the daughter's yeah. record but not like in a this is awful like this is brilliant it's not on my list but um yeah, yeah. It was... I think this is a it's a difficult record to kind of do justice to when you're just kind of having a chat yeah. on the sofa, yeah. isn't it? But, so I'd urge people to, to go and check this out if it sounds like something cool. that would interest you. It's a, it's a wicked record. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, that's Peen with Loss. Um, my number 17, I did a complete 180 on this band with their debut album, and now we're on to their second album. I am totally in love with them. It's Boston Manor, uh-huh. uh, and Welcome to the Neighbourhood. Um, yeah, I was initially not very fussed about Boston Manor at all. I thought, oh great, another one of these bands. This is the sound of a band who are done with being pigeonholed as a pop-punk band. Yeah. This is a really pissed-off record, I should say. Yeah. Much like the Drug Church record, I know they went on tour with Boston Manor. Mm-hmm. The Drug Church went on tour with Boston Manor. Um, there is a loose narrative with this record, maybe not to the point with the you know with the the Peen record or the fucked up record. Yeah. Um, of of feeling disenfranchised, whether that's sort of socially, politically, it's kind of set on a backdrop of a dystopic. Uh, sort of parallel of the band's hometown, Blackpool. Mm-hmm. It points a lot of fingers at the generation of young people who just can't be asked to do anything about the absolute mess that they're in. Yeah. Because apparently Instagram and Snapchat and uh, you know, I'm a celebrity and and Love Island means something more to them than you know having a, a healthy and prosperous future. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there are some massive kind of like radio rock anthems on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Halo is one of them. Uh, Tunnel Vision as well. Yeah. It's one of my favourite songs on the record. Um, but my favourite bits are where they play around with like 90s industrial mm-hmm. and almost like new metal vibes. Yeah. So uh, Henry uh, Cox, their, their vocalist, um, uh, his favourite band is Nine Inch Nails. I hear a little bit of Nine Inch Nails on here. Some Skinny Puppy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the guitars, there's a song called Digital Ghost. Um, not Digital Ghost, sorry, Funeral Party. This is where they kind of go full corn with the guitars. Yeah. Um, I think when I said new metal, it's probably like the early stages of new metal before it became a bit of like a laughing stock. I'm so glad that Boston Manor have slowly changed my opinion of them. I I... Yeah, I spent a lot of time with this record because, mm-hmm. you know, I not to boast at all, but I I wrote a, a cover story about yeah. the band around the time of the record for Upset. Really so I spent that. a lot of time with this record and chatting to the band. So uh, this one has, has grown very sort of... Um, I've grown a real attachment to it and it's, you know, it's nice to feel the emotions that they feel on this record. Mm-hmm. Sort of that anger at the complacency of our generation of people. And it's something a little bit different than, oh, it's the older generations that are fucking everything up. Well, no, it's, you know, we're to blame as well. Yeah. So I, I think there's um, there's a lot to be there's a lot to be said about taking that viewpoint and more power to Boston Manor for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said about doing a 180 on this band, that is the exact experience mm. I've had this year. I mean, this album, just for me personally, it, it's not going to get into my top 20 it's okay. something that when I listened to it I, I really liked it and it has got massive uh, Flowers in Your Dustbin yeah it's a great that song that is just a huge song Halo is an absolute it's just a colossal song. I think Flowers in Your Dustbin is a song that Yumi at Six wished they'd written <laughs> for for, for um, that night that god fucking awful night people record from a couple of years ago (laughs) i think you mean it's it's wish they'd written that song yeah and i mean this isn't really pop punk and they're quite right to um Mm. sort of rebel against that yeah that um um it's a really great record i think for me maybe a little it could have been a couple of tracks shorter okay maybe um but for a genre that I don't really listen to, I thought it's it's really good, and they are a good band, great mm. live as well. Cool. So uh, yeah, Boston Manor, welcome to the neighbourhood. Um, yeah, a great great record. And if you found that you haven't had your opinion changed on Boston Manor yet, just because you feel like it is a bit too UK pop punk, then I think you'll be very pleasantly surprised by this record. Mm-hmm. Um, Brad, your number sixteen. My number sixteen is uh, Knowing What You Know Now by Marmosets. Wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we've spoken a little bit about this. I don't have a huge amount to add mm. other than what you said. I think for me personally, Marmosets, the weird and wonderful Marmosets, the first album, is a massively important album for me. Before that came out, I had basically was not listening to rock music very much at all. So I'm sorry, don't mean to interrupt you there. Yeah. But you just used the word important when on Twitter the other day you said, can we stop using the word important in reviews? But that album, I think, genuinely justifies it. Yeah, I think it's one thing to just be like, this band is important. But, you know, if you can sort of say why a band 
mm. is important, at least to you personally, you know. Yeah. Um, which is what that that record was for me, and I was I was listening to like electronic music and hip hop pretty much exclusively, mm. um, and I just that record kind of crossed crossed my path, and I absolutely fell in love with it. I think maybe yeah, I, I still do maybe like it a little bit more mm. than this one, but that is not anything against this one. You know, this one they've they've decided to really up the massive kind of it's a stadium sized this record I think. Oh yeah. Which I don't think you can really say about the weird and wonderful Marmosets. I don't think you quite maybe at can. moments. Um, and also, just a note on Becca. I mean, to me, she's in a a kind of elite class of vocalist. Oh, I think. God, like, yeah. In the world of rock, ever, you know. She ever. Is, yeah. <laughs> As in forever, ever. Forever, ever. <laughs> um, she's just. I know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really contesting that. No, I think of her generation definitely. Um, I'm trying to think who her kind of contemporaries would be. I, I guess Maynard from Tour in a Perfect Circle and that kind of you know that kind of elite. Class, yeah. I think. Wow. You know they're they're worlds apart in terms of the the size of their band and stuff, which is criminal. I think. Hmm. But, but she's right up there. I'd Amazing. like to see Marmosets do some sort of arena support. Because, unfortunately, they aren't at the point yet where they can play arenas on their own merits. No. Um, you know, Again, if I was boss of the world... Yeah. That would... You'd have Marmosets and the Exerts co-headlining an arena. Yeah. Co-headlining... A stadium, even. Sorry? A stadium, even, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I would like to see them be put on some sort of... It's one of those big arena rock shows, yeah. like a straight-up rock show. Like I mean, if... correct me if I'm wrong, not you personally, but anyone listening, but I think they, they supported Muse back in on some massive shows. You know what, I think you're right. Was yeah, it, was it possibly the Olympic that. Stadium that they did? I'm well, not possibly, sure. But it was certainly huge, huge venues. I, so, like, we'll talk about gigs of the year in a bit, but I went to go and see the Foo Fighters at the Olympic mm-hmm. Stadium, and you, the main support was Wolf Alice, and as much as I like Wolf Alice, they were boring as fuck. <laughs> um, but on before Wolf Alice were Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes, yeah. and I was like, I, I want to see Marmosets in a similar position, yeah. where they kind of go on to a fairly sort of commercial rock crowd, I would say. Mm-hmm. You know, Foo Fighters are one of the biggest commercial rock bands in the world, and you get a lot of people with varied tastes in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get people like me, who's sort of a music devotee and into loads of genres, and then you get people who like the singles off the radio, the yeah. sort of fair weather fans, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to see Marmosets be put in front of them and play songs like um, Play and Habits. Yeah. Oh, oh my god, we haven't even spoken about Major System Era. <laughs> How fucking batshit mental is that song? I know. And actually, yeah, n- another thing I, I've got to say is I, I don't know how you come up with melodies like that. Mm. You know, it's so catchy, but how you kind of think to do that with your voice in the first place on on tracks like that is, is pretty crazy. Yeah. The songs are so well written. I think this is what this album does, is you could put them in front of a crowd that are fairly kind of like you said fair weather fans yeah. and I think with the songs of this album they could really resonate and, and sneak those kind of heavier mm. soundscapes in yeah that kind of we, we've said a lot we've spoken a lot about this record now 
It's because it's a great it's record. It's just great, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Listen to it. So, it's knowing what you know now, again, please do go and listen to this record. If you haven't given it more than one listen or only a couple of listens at the start of the year when it came out, I think a lot of people have kind of forgotten about the record because it came out at the start of the year as well. Yeah. Yeah, but definitely go and listen to yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. And now it's time for a mince pie break. Mmm. <laughs> mmm. Mmm. Did you say these are like have got lemon in or something? Oh no no oh, we didn't pick up the lemon ones no. You didn't splash out on the lemon ones for me. I'm sorry mate I only had a quid in my <sighs> pocket. I'm not spending four quid on some Heston mince pies it's, for you. It's fine Danny. I'm not even I'm not even mad about it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, that's your mince pie break done. How was that for you? Really good. Good. Really good. I'm I'm feeling really festive actually. I'm going to go watch Muppets Christmas Carol after we're done with this. Not before Christmas Eve. No, I can watch it now. <laughs> <laughs> can we maybe finish the list first? Um, yeah. Well, yeah, we've yeah, got go 16 on, more albums yeah. to talk about each. Okay. <laughs> My number 16. Um, one of the buzz bands in the metal landscape in 2018, for certain. The band are called Merle. Um, they are from Denmark. Uh, this is their debut album, I think. I think so, yeah. Yeah, and it's called Jord. Mm-hmm. I've definitely mispronounced that. Uh, is it Jord? Perhaps a soft J? I would go Jord. Okay, Jord. And the band are called Merle, spelt yes. M-O-L, and the O's got uh, uh, sort of a strike through. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, semantics aside, <laughs> they are a name that has been on a lot of people's uh, lips yeah, this year. quite right, yeah. Um, yeah, and it's nuts when you consider how intense and how heavy and how kind of esoteric this record gets yeah it comes from that black gay scene so you know obviously a sort of amalgam of black metal and shoegaze known for its very long sort of drawn out soundscapey song structures but with these heavy icy blasts um you know of black metal um what i love about mel is that they do what most bands struggle to do in seven, eight, nine, maybe even more minutes, and they do it in four minutes, mm-hmm. and they do it to with staggering effect. Mm-hmm. So they've taken a really concentrated approach on this album. It is nine tracks long, possibly no, it's ten. Yeah, it's ten. Ten, ten tracks long, um, and because they've taken a concentrated approach, it means that the melodic breaks on it on tracks like Vacuum and um, my favourite song on it is, is Lambda in in the mm. middle of the album it's almost like this Caspian-esque instrumental post-rock epic yeah. because of the brevity of the songs relatively speaking yeah. these melodic moments it feels like the heavens are opening it is so euphoric yeah. I was absolutely I I first time I listened to this record. Uh, yeah. In fact, I listened to it. I was sat at my desk at work and someone went, "Are you all right?" And I was just there like, "This is the best <laughs> fucking record I've ever heard." Yeah. From this and scene. It, it's interesting that you say that because I think for this scene, this record is so instantaneous. Absolutely. There's a record yeah. coming up later that I would compare to this. Yeah. A sort of similar scene that is yeah. much harder work not as instantaneous, much more divisive. And I think the reason that Merle have kind of resonated with so many people is because they make it 
a lot more mm. accessible seems like a weird word to use yeah with this album but I think like you said relatively speaking it's accessible I think absolutely yeah because like I said those those melodic moments really are euphoric but in contrast to that the heavy moments are really really bastard heavy are, yeah. there's a, a song after Lambda it's uh, Ligament I believe my favourite one is it 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 sounds like it should be on the Satanist by Behemoth when it starts it's fucking crazy and um, you know their their vocalist Kim so intense on record Mm -hmm. and I've heard he's he's the same live I haven't seen him live yet no have you no I've I've sort of watched kind of like footage where I can and seen photos and stuff yeah it does look yeah very intense yeah and intimidating Mm -hmm. but yeah, this is one of the best heavy releases of the year, um, and Absolutely. we're only at number sixteen, which is you know incredible. But yeah, Merle and Yord, and if you haven't gone into that black gay scene yet, I think this is a brilliant gateway because yeah, it really is. It is so instantaneous. Yeah, I love it to bits. So that's my number sixteen. Great, and it's my number fifteen. Your now? number fifteen. Yep. Your number fifteen Numbers because fifteen. Yeah. Not my strong suit. No, whatsoever. 15 is the next number. You are correct. Great. So, my number 15, similar, similarly, a very talked about heavy record this year. It's uh, Maya by Conjurer. Right, yes. Uh, I think maybe Again, holy rural records. Again, yeah. I mean, they have been on... There's something in the water over there. Yeah, definitely. They have, um... They've been killing it all year. In the holy water. In the ooh, hey. Hey. <laughs> a debut album. Yes, yes, it I is. I mean, let's just start there. I, I, this is a the first album by a band of young people. Like, have you, it's that's incredible. It is, yeah, it's so accomplished. I think musically. I think it, it's not kind of. Um, too extreme to say that it fuses kind of every no. type of heavy music that I can sort of think mm. of. There's bits of hardcore. There's there's bits of the of the more spacious kind of shoegazy. Yeah, stuff. definitely towards there's, the end of the album, Hadar yeah, and yeah, uh, and Thankless as well. I mean, there's real the riffs. I I've got written down here that you'll you'll like this if you like Mastodon. You'll like this if you like early Parkway Drive. It's a it's a lot more extreme than either of those things, but yeah. it's it's got so much going on mm. that I, I find it hard to believe that any fan of, of really heavy music won't find something to oh, latch onto un- with this record. Undeniably so. It, it is incredible this record. It's incredible. Um Thankless, one of my songs of the year. Yes. That's the one where the kind of clean vocals Mm-hmm. Come in, which you you don't really expect. I was certainly surprised to hear that the first time I clicked play on. I this. was I was too. They certain. really, they really make it work, and what's even more mind blowing is as as brilliant as this record is, it's even better live. I am absolutely kicking myself <laughs> at the fact that I haven't seen Country Alive yet. Yeah. I mean, I can. You do look quite upset actually I'm thinking about this. About it. <laughs> I'm actually like close to. Tears I've seen them about... once. I saw them at Two Thousand Trees. So, they they had the worst clash of the weekend with mm, with Creeper. With Creeper. Conjurer. There may be a little bit of a weird booking for Two Thousand Trees in the mm. sense that they are a lot heavier than 
Yeah. <laughs> They're really fucking heavy. <laughs> they, re- they were... And they stuck out like a sore thumb, I think. I mean, they 2003 some does consider- book heavy bands. Yeah, they but... were by some considerable amount the heaviest band on the bill. Yeah. It was a bit like the year before when they had Oathbreaker headline a mm-hmm. stage. Yeah. But it was because people have gravitated towards and, it and in the same way that they gravitated towards Oathbreaker. Even yeah. if you're not like... Uh, uh, sort of, even if you don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of heavy music, I feel like it is again another one of those gateway bands, much mm-hmm. like Merle. You know, um, that, I mean, what else do you need to say? It's just, uh, it's just such, such a good record. It's great, it's isn't such it? A good record, yeah. So good. <laughs> Sorry, we have lost all journalistic. I just, yeah, I, I uh, mean, all artistic. It um, really does just baffle sort of me that it's skill it, here. Um, that it is a first record. It makes it, it actually frightens me a little bit to think about what they might be doing yeah. on their third or fourth record. Did you like the EP? R- retrospectively, yes, because the album was the the first thing. So this album was the last album I reviewed before I hung up my music journalist hat. I before think. you dropped the baton. Before I dropped the baton. <laughs> um, which is the first I'd heard of, of Conjurer. Right. Hence, I was I was really blown away by it. Mm. Um, I I would say go and go and read my review if you want a more kind of coherent analysis of <laughs> why this record so going, good. Oh, fucking love this <laughs> so good. So that's Conjurer uh, with Maya. Mm-hmm. Um, my number fifteen. Um, it's very close to the heart of Bitch and Brew. In fact, it's coming from uh, a band whose singer has been on an albums of the year special. Um, before and you know, so my sorry, my number fifteen album is Oh Dearism by I Told You I Would Eat You, um, and say what you fucking will about me being biased or whatever, because um, you know they are mates and this came out on Failure by Design Records, mm-hmm. uh, who are obviously like almost part of the Bitch and Brew family at this point. I I think everything uh, everything from I'm Not Your Fault their EP from two years ago uh, up to this point they, they, they get terrified EP as well which came out earlier this year we'll talk mm-hmm. about more about that in a bit um, I think all of that was wonderful but I thought they needed a little bit more focus and a little bit more consistency to achieve their full potential because they mm-hmm. are very well accomplished musicians yeah. but their lineup kept changing and I think they were struggling to establish a consistent identity mm-hmm. and I think that's absolutely fine I know bands work in that way where they have a revolving cast of musicians sometimes but I feel like that was maybe holding I Told You I'd Eat You back a little bit mm-hmm. um, now they've done that and they've had a, a pretty solid lineup for definitely like the the sort of the the majority of 2018 um this only came out last month i've listened to it at least 10 times and i still don't know what the fuck is going on with it <laughs> yeah. um it's a lot like the fucked up record there is so much going on yeah. this is a really bright and a really dynamic record and a really considered record as well i think uh, mm-hmm. joey as a lyricist um, this gets pretty raw and candid yeah. in places, and, you know. And intense, I think. Yeah, Joey's a brilliant vocalist, and now they have Holly on vocals as well, so they work really well together. Um, this, yeah, it does get pretty candid mm-hmm. in terms of love and relationships, mental health, gender politics. 
this hits a really tender place at times, mm-hmm. but it still manages to remain infuriatingly catchy. Yeah. Um, and so it's got so much bounce to it. Um, I think a, a band I'm not so clued up on, but I know have they have received a lot of comparisons to a Me Without You. Um, sort of that slightly uh, frenetic, yeah, uh, math tinged emo. Yeah, I think is the best way of putting it. I'd I don't like so. to put too much of a label on this sort of thing. No, cause... I think there's a bit of kind of indie, more kind of yeah. And I think if you're someone that that listens to more sort of straight up mm. indie rock, you'll you'll probably find something to latch onto in this. Yeah, in this album. I, I, you know, I was saying about the vocals. I love the guitars as well. Mm. Josh has always been an ace guitarist, mm-hmm. and now they've got um, Alexei alongside them. And Alexei is um, he's he's in a Johnny Foreigner. Did oh really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So um, so you know, having those two team up with each other um, the, for these incredible, intricate, mathy guitars, are great. The MVP for me for this is is Sean, their drummer, who from the get-go just proves that they are one of the best young drummers in the UK. I mm-hmm. think their work on this is just stunning and every time I watch Sean play live I am stunned. So skillful yeah. um, and full of personality. It takes a lot to have personality in the drums yeah. with this sort of music. I love this record dearly. I think I was always going to love it. Yeah. Um, but um, it's on my top 20 of the year because they have become more focused and more consistent and yeah. it just goes down so many avenues. Uh, we haven't even mentioned the, the, the last song, the name of which escapes me, um, but is a spoken word poem, almost like a, a modern day fable mm-hmm. um, over this uh, really bright and lovely... Uh, sort of pop rock music, intelligent pop rock music. Yeah. Um, sorry, it's, I'm a little bit lost for words. Yeah. I'm a little bit overwhelmed by this album, to be honest. I th- well, I think it's an incredibly personal album. It is. And, it is. Um, I mean, like we were talking about with Pete, I think when an album resonates with you thematically or emotionally, mm. it's very hard to, to put into words on a, on a podcast or something mm. why that's the case, you know? Um even with notes in front of me, I'm kind of a little bit speechless yeah. at, at what this record does to me on a on a on an emotional level. Mm. This is a this is a really great record. I know I've we been, were talking um, about it at a show a couple of weeks ago. Yes, that um, when you were putting it, so this came quite close, was it? Or this it was, was certain... uh, the the reason it's kind of not in here is because I haven't been able to listen to it as much as I'd like to. Okay. Um, and certainly not as much as you have, um, just because I've been putting the list together, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's that it awkward would time of year. Been, I think maybe disingenuous of me to put it in mm. in place of an album that that I have listened to a lot more and right. and stuff. But this is a, just a brilliant album, this and it fuses so much that I love. Mm. You know, the emo stuff, the the more straight up indie sounding stuff, the 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 mathiness of it. Mm. It's great. It's it's really really wonderful, and you know I apologise for being a bit of a, a gibbering wreck <laughs> while talking about it, but um, uh, you know this this one I I I was waiting for for a long old time, um, and 
they delivered the goods. Yeah. And more power to them. And uh, you know what's really nice is they they have come from that DIY house show kind of oh, scene, yeah, yeah. and they're becoming a bit more of a cult name now. And I'm mm-hmm. seeing their name crop up a lot more, getting a lot more traction. I told you I'd eat you, and oh dearism, uh, big love to I told you I'd eat you. Uh, sort of mainstay of bitch and brew almost since its inception now. Um, I love you dearly, guys. Hope you're doing well. Merry Christmas. Um, Brad, your number 14. My number 14, another heavy record. It's Arizona by Vane. <laughs> Fucking yes. <laughs> so, oh my God, this album. It's, I mean, it's, it's a mainline straight into my heart because you've got so much kind of, you've got early Slipknot, you've got early Deftones and the influences. Yes, yeah. But but it's so kind of, it sounds so immediate and so new. In the same way, you know with Code Orange, how kind of they were they were packing their album with things that you'd never really heard before mm. into this real intense kind of concoction that was so kind of blisteringly heavy. They do a very similar thing, but I think they do it with things that you have heard before right which is no less you know there's no less merit in that I don't think when you when you do it to this mm. so I know that Code Orange was going to come up when we were talking about this record because I think yeah, post Code Orange releasing forever we were always going to get tons of these bands coming out of the woodwork mm-hmm. I, I was aware of Vane before Code Orange released forever mm-hmm. I should mention I haven't just been like they've oh, been a band for I think since what 2013 or something yeah, a lot they've been around a think. little while yeah. but uh, you know I knew I was going to see plenty of these bands sort cropping of up. cropping up and yeah. taking a little bit taking a little bit more of a prominent position because of how sort of groundbreaking that Code Orange album it's opened was the door. it's opened the door for this is comfortably the best of those that sort of crop of bands Yes, on on the heavier end. Yes, yeah, on the absolutely. Heavier end of it. Yeah, Definitely. I know a lot of people really like Twitching Tongues and, um, uh, oh, uh, Jesus Peace. Mm-hmm. Sorry, forgot the name. Um, and a ton of British bands that do this similar sort of thing as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Vayne are, are definitely they my favourite. They just do it better. Have you watched their audio tree session? No, it, it's not been out very long, has it? No, it's it just, came out like two weeks, two maybe. They're a lot heavier than I would associate with Audio Tree. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a bit like one of those rare ones where they get like Oathbreaker on. Yeah, again mentioning Oathbreaker, but um, uh, yeah, it is. I've certainly never seen a hardcore band on there, but. So what excites me about the Vane record is I've heard that they're even better live. Yeah, I've not seen them live, but they're coming to our. I am going to stamp on your head when they play the joiners uh, and, and I, I mean it in the it. nicest yeah. way possible yeah, because I'm, I'm under your boot and, <laughs> and I'm going to be like that I'm going to be like that battle jacket but I'm just going to bust your nose oh, again please don't <laughs> <laughs> you can stamp on my head but please don't bust my nose in in the comments there are people who were more of the audio tree fans than the vein fans just going wow I've never heard anything like this before like what what even is this mm. and I saw a brilliant comment and I really think it's it's such an excellent comparison I can't take credit for it myself it was them saying it's like the first album Slipknot meets uh, Jane Doe era Converge yep I can yeah <sighs> in the kind of freneticism how exciting is that and it's also worth saying as well, it's a debut album, again. I mean, I've got in my notes, it's a little bit like if Employed to Serve released Warmth of a Dying Sun first. 
Yes. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like how much of a jump forward that album was. It, kind of, not to kind of com- compare too much, because mm. they do sound completely different. Oh, they do. Although I'd love for them to, to tour together. Oh, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm sure they will. But it, it's such a well-rounded, kind of full sound for mm. a debut album. Oh, yeah. And I like the brevity of it as well. Mm-hmm. The sort of, there are a couple of four-minute songs on there, but most of the songs barely breach the two-minute mark. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a kind of a seamlessness to how they because there is there's clean there's clean stuff in here. It's not yeah, yeah and um, it's kind of seamlessly blended in with with um, real real heavy stuff. Mm. You know, um, it's kind of a cliche to say the heavy stuff's really heavy and the melodic stuff's really melodic. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the way it little went a little bit more melodic towards the end of it and mm. and brought in those death tonesy elements because it it starts on a really frantic note virus vibrance obviously being the first single they released from it mm-hmm. one of the best songs of the year in my opinion um and like you were saying it is kind of seamless i remember listening to it the first time going oh, okay this song's quite there was like track two oh, this song's quite long and i realized i'm on the sixth track and there's been yeah no pause for breath whatsoever so yeah, um it's, it's all kind of the blended in there's little kind of interludes yeah more kind of electronic sounding interludes mm. so yeah it does kind of breeze by yeah um, breeze is probably maybe not the right one it's not a breeze <laughs> kind of it's, stomps it's, kind of it's, it's a by. gale not a breeze <laughs> yeah. um the drummer as well i think matt wood i think his name is right he he's just a madman on this like you can you can actually go i think you can watch videos of him on youtube yeah like just how crazy he is when they play live yeah i've he may be the standout for me on this record. He, he is definitely the standout on that audio tree session. When you see him work, oh, yeah. he is... I will have to go and watch that. Sta- again, talking about brilliant drummers, outstanding drum work on this yeah. album. Yeah, I mean, to keep the pace of an album like this as a drummer is yeah. no easy thing. Can you imagine so. what it's like? To, oh, mate, I'm so excited to see him live. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, definitely go and see him on their UK tour, and they're going to be supported by Higher Power. Mm-hmm. Awesome, great UK hardcore band. Yeah, I think yeah, and I think if you go and listen to this album, just kind of stick with it because it is, it is it fun is on. A, yeah, it it prob- could be a bit jarring yeah. to begin with, but it but it is a grower. So that's uh, Aerozone by Vane. Mm, sorry, <laughs> I need to get the mince pie out of my teeth. It's horrible. It sticks to your gums like wallpaper yeah, it paste. Does a bit, yeah, maybe you've got a point about the puff pastry. Yeah, does the puff going, pastry do that? No, because it it sort of flakes. Flakes mm. away, and you can you can swallow it a lot easier. What would be really nice is if they make mince pies that kind of have the flaky pastry, but also like that really soft pastry. You know, like a Frey Bentos pie. Yeah. Frey Bentos mince pie in a tin that you. Yeah, like a, a little tin. Yeah. Yeah. No, like an actual full pie-sized mince okay. pie. Okay. As long as the mince is nice, because when you get a Frey Bentos pie. Oh, I don't know steak, little... steak and ale like Frey Bentos pie yeah I'm a big advocate of the soggy Frey Bentos pastry on are the you trying to get well. a sponsorship from Frey Bentos is that <laughs> what this is <laughs> <laughs> Mr Bentos if you are listening then uh, hit me up it's fine I don't bother with Ginsters don't fuck with that shit <laughs> Uh, my number 14 album let's stop talking about pies start okay. talking about music again uh, my number 14 album not enough people have been talking about this record this year and it's an absolute travesty mm. it's Muncie Girls with Fixed Ideals yeah. you know Muncie Girls Landy their singer was the first ever guest on Bitchin' Brew yeah. 
um, nearly three years ago, which is wow. really bizarre. Um, Monthly Girls is one of those bands that taught me about the power of speaking up through your art. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you know, whether that's politically or socially, especially in the sort of era, sort of the Me Too movement and everything post yeah. that. Um, and I was thinking, with everything that's happened on a sort of social political landscape since the release of their debut album uh, from Kaplan to Belsize, which I believe was my number two album of 2016, mm-hmm. um, I was thinking that they might even get like a little bit more ferocious about that. Um, and I think they do to an extent. Yeah. But instead, they've become far more of an introspective band. Yeah. Um, certainly lyrically. I think Landy sings about... Uh, mental health a lot on this record and it almost serves as not to speculate too deep into you know what exact songs about are about it's quite obvious about songs like clinic mm-hmm. um but it, this record it feels like it almost serves as, as catharsis for some pretty deep-seated issues for her yeah um again i'm not going to speculate no. um but it's also, you know, we were talking about growth earlier. This is, I think, the first time she's played guitar on the album as oh, really? well as bass. Okay. Because they're a three-piece. I believe they now tour as a four-piece. Mm-hmm. Maybe wrong. I'm making tons of assumptions <laughs> here, haven't guesswork. I? Um, it's all guesswork. I haven't actually seen them live in ages, and I feel super bad about that. Sorry, guys. Um, but you can tell with the additional guitars, there's a real layered sound on this record compared to the first one. Mm-hmm. I still love the first record. I think I probably still prefer the first record again. Um, but there is a real beautiful sound to... Uh, there's a song called Isn't Life Funny, yeah, which kind of goes almost into dream pop territory, yeah, um, which I was not expecting from months ago. They kind of did a little bit more indie post-punk stuff on yeah. the debut, but... Here they kind of went full dream pop, but it still had a, a wicked backbeat to it. Again, mm-hmm. another brilliant drummer, uh, Luke Ellis, is fantastic on this record. Um, it's got a brilliant opening track, uh, Jeremy. That's my favourite. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Not to say it loses anything after that. It's mm. a great album, So, but I love that opening track. Had you checked this out before we swapped lists? I, this is one of two bands that you've got on your list that has just made me look like a bloody idiot (laughs) um because i just never really checked muncie girls out yeah um i having even listened to the episode of your podcast the very first episode Mm. i i had just never really listened to them and there's no other there's no particular reason for that Mm. um so yeah i have no kind of preconceptions yeah about them whatsoever but I was I was very very happy when I when I played this, it's it's just great. It's it's a really you know we we're saying about how it's a very personal and introspective record, but it yeah. but it it is still sort of wonderfully it, it, it's, it's a, relatable very yeah. relatable. Um, it's almost got it's got moments of humour to it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, now I don't know who the song's about, but Jeremy, the opening song that I'm so angry, I'm gonna get a tattoo that says "fuck Jeremy Clarkson" and "fuck you too." Yeah, that is a, that is such a good line. It's great, and um, and there's also a song sort of midway through the album called "Bubble Bath," which has bubbles popping. Yeah, in the verses, I, I rewound that. Rewind's not a thing anymore, is it? I I went back. If you've got cassette, then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had to go back and double take on that track to make sure that is what. It's bizarre, I isn't heard. it? But I it's love it. Bizarre, but it, yeah, it does work. 
and and you're right there it there is a kind of a tongue in cheekness mm. to doing something like that that I think really works in their favour and it's mm. something that I don't hear other bands yeah in their world kind of doing that. It's it's cool. It has almost got a sort of quite a dry British sense of humour yeah, to it. Yeah. Um it's really simple and really catchy when it needs to be. Songs like High and and Fig Tree as mm-hmm. well, sort of around the middle point of the album. Um but there's tons of new interesting stuff that they've been doing on, on this record and I'm really excited for the future of Muncie Girls. Yeah. Um I was not expecting them to make as much of a progression as they have, but it's a surprise I'm fully on board for. Yeah. So that's Fixed Ideals by Muncie Girls. Uh, Brad, what's your number 13? My number 13 is um, Black Foxes with Rady. Rady? Uh, yeah, uh, Rady, I believe it's pronounced. Um, this is their, is their second album. And I think it's a big, it's a big progression. It's a big step up. I've seen mm. some people saying that it that it is kind of more on the level of the first one. I think it's quite a big step up for them. Yeah. Um, where to start with this? I mean... Well, it, while you think about where to start with it, do you want to know something really weird? Okay. My number 13 oh. is Black Foxes with Ratey. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just talk about it together. Yeah. Um, um, so, the first album... Mm-hmm. I love the first Black Foxes album. Yeah, I think too. it's really, really, really good. Yeah. Um, and then I saw them live, and you know they they kind of started off two thousand eighteen. Though Mark, their singer was my first guest. Mm. Um, recorded in the hotel where we both used to work. Yeah, different, I actually listened eras. to it while I was there on a night shift. That's bizarre. It was quite weird. I mean, like, this is we we didn't work together nearly at the same time as, no. as one another. I kind of quit three years ago, and you were there, mm. lo- lo- well, a year. I ago can now. remember my boss saying that someone had been in a few days ago ah. doing a podcast. Well, yeah, there you and, go, and it all kind of made sense. Yeah, um, I saw them live, and I thought live they were on another level, and I felt like something wasn't quite matching up to their live show and and I'm Not Well, their debut record, mm-hmm. I thought, uh, and I don't mean to hold this particularly against them, I, I, I listen to the album and I kind of think, this is great, but I'm, I'm not sure if it's really what they want to do. Mm-hmm. The album's really great, but I was mm-hmm. really intrigued to see where the live record, how, how the live record would translate Oh, how the live show, sorry, would translate onto the next record. Yeah. And we've got it. Yeah. And it's fucking glorious. <laughs> I think what's clear when you listen to the first album is is their influences and the kind of bands and musicians that, that they look towards. Mm. And I don't think they're necessarily bands and artists from the scene that, you know, from their contemporaries. Yeah on that first album they clearly had quite lofty ambitions mm. that they kind of got within touching distance of yeah I think this second album is where you, the some of those fully start to come through you, you know you can hear bits of like early Radiohead Smashing Pumpkins yeah. uh, Jeff Buckley all that kind of stuff Jeff Buckley is the one for me yeah um, it's got a sort of weirdly it's Glacial, 
It is glacial. That's one of the words I had in my notes. Yeah. I was really chuffed with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's glacial, and yet somehow summery. Um, yeah. There's a song on it called The Big Wild, yeah. which has this lovely, sort of sprightly, simple guitar melody to it. Mm-hmm. And it's a wonderfully laid-back tune. Wonderful. Um, it's a really laid-back tune. And it almost... I, I remember the first time I listened to it, it was on a sunny day, but it was really fucking cold. Ah. And that kind of felt like a brilliant sort of yeah. summation of, of what The Big Wild, especially, but kind of what the whole album is like. Yeah. Very... is So, uh, Raiti, uh, the name of the album, is Icelandic for rage. Yeah. And I suppose two things. One, when I close my eyes and try and picture the record, it is in Iceland. Yeah. They filmed a couple of videos in mm-hmm. Iceland and, and did a lot of the artwork around it. And I know Martha is absolutely in love with that place. Mm-hmm. It it does kind of paint that glacial landscape. Yeah. Um, but it works outside of it as well. Yeah, it does. And then, obviously, it being the Icelandic word for rage, it really does rage when it needs to. When it, it needs to, yeah. They're kind of concentrated doses of rage, aren't they, throughout the album? I think that's the biggest improvement from the first record. Mm-hmm. It's it's much more diverse. Yeah. Um, and those bursts of rage, as a result, are far more effective. Joy is the, the song that, yeah. you know, yeah. the kind of... Yeah, and I think um, that, as you were saying about the live show, that the rage in Joy in particular really comes out mm. in the live show. And if there's one thing that they've sort of really achieved on this record, it's it's drama. There's real yeah. drama to to a lot of these songs, and mm. when they kind of reach their crescendo, and and seeing it live only only furthers that. I think Mark um, has has kind of no qualms with with bearing his kind of emotional and, mm. and at times kind of physical pain basically yeah and and putting it all over his songs and his songwriting but at the same time there's there's pop hooks and it's super catchy and a song like the big wild is is like a really lovely mm. a really lovely song so it's got great variety yeah i yeah this this album this album is is superb Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually a little bit shocked that it's not in my top ten. It's really infectious. In it that is. Way. He's super infectious, yeah. and and we obviously both saw them live um, at the Joiners, and it's wonderful to see, like even the quieter moments on the record translate brilliantly because they are a fucking loud band live. Yeah, yeah very loud. But uh, the the sort of dynamics of this record. Uh, yeah. are really something to be respected. Yeah, I think Breathe was a very, su- a very surprising yeah. way yeah. to open the album. Yeah. But but great. I think, you know, this term gets thrown around a lot, but I, do, I think Black Foxes are a real special, a real special band. I, I would really like them to, to be. I think, I, think mm-hmm. I need maybe one more album. Yeah. I think if this I, is I anything think to go the, by, I think, I think this is. Yeah, I think there is... I I am stoked on this record mm-hmm. obviously it's in my yeah. top 20 it's funny that we both had it in the same that condition is, yeah. um, but um, I think that it can only get better from here yeah I think it absolutely will I think and I'm very excited about that sky's the limit I think when you hear something yeah. like this on a second album 
So that's Black Foxes and Ratey, both are number 13. What is your number 12, Brad Thorne? My number 12, Danny Randon, is uh, Spanish Love Songs with Schmaltz. Yes. <laughs> yes, all the yes. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that was a yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, sure. Spanish um, Love Songs. Although it's, it's 12 away from number one, I don't think the... Okay, there's one record this year that has maybe resonated with me personally as much as this. Mm-hmm. This is a record that I've listened to most days since it came... Well, since it came to my attention, mm. since it came out. Um, basically a pop-punk band. Basically, Basically. Yeah. There's yeah. other stuff in there. Um, bit of, if you like, modern baseball and that kind of thing. I think it is uh, an amalgam of um, The Greatest Generation by The Wonder Years and On The Impossible Past by The Menzingers. Okay, yeah, yeah. All that kind of stuff, yeah. 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 I guess modern baseball may be more in the sort of lyrical content of it rather than sound. Um, It's just so relatable. um, There's a song called The Boy Considers His Haircut. Incredible. Where he sings, um, I think Dylan Slocum, I think is the singer's name. Okay. He sings, I want to find a haircut that fits me that hasn't been co-opted by Nazis. (laughs) It's just about him. I mean, if you look at the hairdo that I'm sporting, it's a very relatable sort of thing to have to deal with as a, you know, as as a young People can look at your Twitter profile picture to to, to see that. Yeah. Um, that's at Brad underscore Thorn. Well done. Um, <laughs> and it's things like that that you don't normally, you know, it's it's one thing to sing about how much you want to get away from your hometown or mm. all those pop punk tropes that we that we know and love, or, or maybe not, depending where you stand. Um, there's also a line like, um, I've, I've lived my whole life so afraid of being hurt that I've never really been hurt. That's like such a relatable little, mm. little line. Yeah. Um, well, to me. Anyway, um, at their face. If you go on their Facebook profile and you go on their about thing, it says they're for fans of boxed wine, divorce, and self doubt. <laughs> and I think, <laughs> um, if you saw me at two thousand trees, I was drinking a box of wine straight. I was drinking wine straight out the bag. Um, I mean, Goon self- bag. <laughs> it it's just an album that has just hit me where I live. In almost every way, hit you in the feels. It's hit me right in the feels, and I haven't let go of it all year. And it would be something would be a mess if it wasn't in my top twenty because I just absolutely love it. I am gutted that I've not listened to this whole record as much as I've listened to one song on it, uh, which is when I when first listened to it when it came out, and people were like, "Oh my god, this is incredible!" I kind of listened to it, and I was like, "Yeah, this is really good." But one song, one song stuck with me more than any other song, and that's "Buffalo Buffalo." Yep, I've got that here in my notes. It's a real catchy. It's rare that a song grabs you that quickly. Oh my even god, even the catchiest yeah. of songs, mm. especially yeah. something in this genre. So yeah. I'm really glad you included this in your list and I feel like a bit of an idiot for not including it in mine uh, purely because I just haven't listened to the album as much as, as I really should have. Mm. It's a great record though. It's really great, yeah. Mm. So my number 12 um, is another one from that world of sort of Matthew Alternative Rock um, but very different from the I Told You I'd Eat You record. Um, it came out on Big Scary Monsters 
Um, and it is by the band Delta Sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, this album is called Ghost City. It's their second album, uh, four piece from Brighton. Um, the first one I've ever checked out from them, and I remember distinctly where I first heard them. We're driving back from uh, having a lovely Sunday roast at my girlfriend's parents' place. I can't remember what we had exactly. It, it was probably, let's go with uh, gammon. It was roast oh. gammon. Um, and the song Single File came on, uh, came on on the brilliant Radio 1 Rock show mm-hmm. um, with Dan P. Carter. And um, I was immediately drawn in by the sort of warmth mm-hmm. that it radiated. It was round about, what, middle of August when I first heard this uh, this song. And um, that's the case, that sort of warmth is the case for the majority of this album. Yeah. Um there's again I was saying earlier math rock it runs the risk of being a little bit cold and a little bit calculated sometimes Mm -hmm. but there is something to this record there's a sort of punkier energy that just adds this sense of urgency to the delivery of these really intricate really intelligent melodies and harmonies and, and rhythms as well I love their drummer again. We're talking about a lot of good drummers Been a today. Good year for drummers. Um, and for lack of a less wanky phrase, it's a very human record because mm-hmm. um, it is quite raw in places. If you've been put off by the sort of calculated nature of math rock, yeah. If you find you can't really click with it and it's not really having any sort of emotional resonance with you, then I think you need to look no further than this record. Mm -hmm. There are some amazing songs on it. El Pastor um, is even more summary than Single File. Single File is my favourite song on it. I think the way it builds to a huge crescendo um, and a sort of euphoric closing melody um, is undeniably beautiful. Mm -hmm. El Pastor is very light and summery. I like to listen to it when I go running, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's sort of the song I needed for the end of the summer. Listen to it a lot when I went on holiday to Spain. Yeah. Um, uh, and again, the opening track, it's called Sultans of Ping. Um, talk about the way like an opening track builds and yeah. builds and builds and then just sort of explodes into life. Um, and that does it perfectly. I'm going to talk a little bit more about Death Sleep when it comes to chatting about gigs of the year, but um, I'm interested to hear what you thought of this record. I I liked it. I've listened to. I've only had time to listen to it about two times. Okay, which isn't enough mm. for a record like this. I don't think. No, no. Um, although for for Math Rock, it's it's is a lot more instantaneous and accessible, and like yeah. you said, warm. For me. It it was a little bit jarring because of that. Okay. Although I liked it, I think hearing those vocals for the first time at, at, with that musical canvas, yeah, it it jarred me at first. Okay. So it's something I think I'm gonna have yeah, to go back and listen to. Yeah, because he's got quite a sort of a relaxed tone of delivery, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. And it's and it's very British. Yeah. Yeah, and it has the voice has real emotion mm. to it. Which you don't normally hear with that kind of musical canvas. It it reminded me of. Do you ever listen to? And so I watch you from afar. I do. Yeah. They have a, a quite a fun 
take mm-hmm. on that kind of mathy post rock kind yeah. of thing. And they're instrumentals. So. They're instrumental, yeah. Um, it reminded me a bit of that, obviously. Okay. With, with yeah, musically for sure. With that sense of fun mm. that they bring. Yeah, into it. very fun. It's indeed. something I'm going to continue listening to. Yeah, sure. it's got a camaraderie to it almost, mm-hmm. hasn't it? Yeah, it's it's brilliant part of that sort of Brighton scene that's some somewhat yeah. burgeoning again all of a sudden because you know there's bands like um, uh, Wild Cat Strike from Brighton yeah. as well, and I Feel Fine, um, in Technicolor, another yeah. Brighton band again. So yeah, I um I love this album very very much which is why it's in my top 20 <laughs> of course it is of course yeah no I'm, I'm lukewarm about it <laughs> no I do, I do love this record and um, it's full of heart and full of full of humility <laughs> yeah. um, so Ghost City by Delta Sleep also one of my favourite album artworks of the year it has got a nice artwork number 11 with, so this is the last record, record we're going to do of this part mm-hmm and then we'll be back in a couple of days' time yeah. for the second part. We're, I mean, we're going to record it now. Yeah, you worried me then. I was like, do I have to go home for a couple, no, <laughs> for a couple of days? Yeah, <laughs> and then you come... No, no. We'll put the second yeah. part out in a couple of days' time because we've gone on for nearly two hours here. I wow. think it'd be a bit harsh to tell people to listen to this for four straight hours. Yeah. So, your number 11. My number 11 is Deaf Heaven with ordinary corrupt human love oh okay it's a big one it is a a big album big talking point for this year there were some bold claims made about this album throughout the year yeah reshaping metal i think (sighs) yeah it's one or or kind of i'm not sure if that this album has such a blatant disregard for genre i think (laughs) it does which i love i don't know if it's reshaping metal i don't know if death heaven care about that at all or anything um, there's a lot going on. It's it's the album I mentioned when you were talking about Merle. Yes, yeah, earlier. Yeah. This is, they're kind of when it comes to the black gaze scene, they're the ones that kind of opened it up on a on a more commercial level. They're the poster boys for it. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, where do you start with an album like this? There is so much going on. I bet your notes are an absolute mess. Oh, this on is it. the most notes that I have for an in, for an album. Okay. On this list. Um. I've never been massive on Death Heaven. This is their fourth album, I believe. Yeah. Um, I've listened to three. I haven't listened to a debut. I've listened to Sunbather onwards. Sunbather is the one, I think. Okay. Um, prior to this, anyway, um, that people tend to talk about. It's certainly yeah. the one that I've listened to the most before this. So I got into them on New Bermuda, their last album. The heavy one. Yeah, the heavy, well, heavy well, yeah. one. Yeah, I mean, it is really heavy. Yeah. Um, and that was possibly my entrance into black metal. I was always oh. aware it existed. Yeah. But I hadn't really gone in on black metal, and I suppose Black Gaze is not strictly black metal, but... Mm. Um, this is certainly an album that leaves black metal behind for for quite sort of mm. big, big portions of it. Um, there's a lot going on. There's, like, there's, there's jazz, kind of, like... I guess neoclassical mm. stuff, piano, psychedelia at points. So yeah, that's something I'd written down. Kerry McCoy, their guitarist, is he is a. Do you ever watch the What's in My Bag series from Amoeba Records? Yeah, I have done. Yeah. Did you see when Kerry and George from Death Heaven were on there? He picked up a lot of 
Smiths and Oasis stuff. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I think a little bit of Mogwai stuff as mm-hmm. well. So, But he is big on 80s into 90s British yeah. indie rock music. A mm-hmm. lot of bands in America are. And I get a little bit of that on this record. In the guitars. In the, yeah, in yeah. Kerry's guitars, for sure. Not Definitely not in George's vocals. No. My God. And, and speaking about George's vocals, they are more varied this time. Yeah. If that's something that has put you off in the past, he's, I mean, his vocals are still real heavy. They are piercing. Mm-hmm. But he, has, he does do some clean singing mm. on this. He, um, he, he kind of goes between... More deeper growls mm. and and the kind of piercing screeches and so there's a bit more variety there, um, but it it's not going to be for everyone this record. No, it it's a slow burn, it's it's a grower. How many times did you have to listen to this record to for it to grow on you properly? Um, I don't really know because. I liked it when I first heard it, I think. Mm. Um, the first thing I latched onto was um, the Chelsea Wolfe yes. feature. Yeah, so Night People Night is People. the song you're on about, and it's got vocals and production from Chelsea Wolfe and her multi-instrumentalist collaborator, Ben Chisholm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's something that sort of um, stuck with me more instantly than the rest of the record. Yeah, I think it... It's the standout for me. I would say it's between that and there's a song called Canary Yellow on it as well, yeah. which is about 12 minutes long, it, I think. Which builds and builds and builds. Yes, but, um, yeah, exactly. If you've got the patience to stick with it, you will you'll be rewarded when it all kind of kicks in to gear. I really like this record. It is a head fuck of an album. Mm-hmm. I think of all the albums we're going to talk about today, not to give too much away about our top ten, but I no. think it is the biggest head fuck of them all it's there are no other bands doing what Death Heaven are doing I I, pers- I don't think I don't know if, if not that I'm aware of and you can't say that about that many bands these yeah. days I don't think they are truly truly unique um, they work for me they I accept that they're not going to work for everybody no I, I'm not denying the brilliance of this record I think it is great um, and there is no denying it's beauty in places mm. especially I mean I think my favourite thing about it is the guitars and yeah. there's those little sections on Honeycomb mm-hmm. the sort of lead single for it where it goes a little more sort of punk and alternative rock Yeah, it's actually got kind of a sort of more sort of conventional approach to quote unquote riffing Mm-hmm. Uh, in the because there's no like chorus verse chorus verse to this sort of thing no the structure is all over the place super bizarre but it does have a moment in Honeycomb where it goes super simple and Mm -hmm. really catchy and that kind of stuck with me as well I think Honeycomb or Night People would be great entry points yeah if um, I think if you're like me and you're I was determined to kind of get inside this album and, and kind of figure it out and I think um, Night People or Honeycomb are already kind of good starting places. Cool. Yeah. Sorry, I've kind of talked down this record a little <laughs> bit, haven't I? I'm not necessarily being a naysayer. I, 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 
I have heard people going, I can't stop listening to this album. Yeah. I like listening to this album in small doses. Mm-hmm. So I feel like since it's been released, I can only listen to it and once a week at most. It's challenging. It despite is. Despite its very nature. Very, very challenging record, so. I, th- I think it is definitely their most sort of sonically lush and serene album today. It's date. their most accessible album as well, I, I would say. Would you say? Probably say... I th- well, I think, actually, and now that I've said that, it depends where you're coming from, because I think if you are someone that, that has a heavier palette in terms of what they listen to, mm. you, you maybe would gravitate towards yeah. New Bermuda more. New Bermuda or some Sunbather, really. Yeah. Um... Maybe for people outside of heavier terrains, mm. if you're someone that listens to, like you were saying, alt rock or yeah. stuff like that, you, you might be able to, to get into through this. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. Give it a go, anyway. Yeah, oh, for sure. I need to spend more time with this record. Yeah. Because um, whenever I finish listening to it, I kind of do have to take a deep breath. Mm-hmm. Like, where it is sonically lush and shoegazy yeah it's more of a post-metal album than a black metal album i'll be honest yeah um and you know we semantics really you know like i still come out of this record feeling quite sort of heavy yeah um it's still kind of it's quite a an intense experience yeah not in the same way that something like the merle record is no, but just where it's a lot to it, process. There's a journey of the record. Yeah, yeah. exactly. There is a lot to process. I think exact, exactly what I mean. Yeah, and, and now that you've said journey, another difference I think is previously their albums were a bit more kind of in your face, and they're hitting you mm. with a lot of different so- sounds and and influences. And this one, I think, maybe carries you along a little bit more. Yeah, it is. It, more it, it attacks you in different ways. Dif- yeah, yeah. So, ordinary corrupt human love by yes. Death Heaven. Don't don't let my words stop you from listening to that album. Um, I I do like it. I just need to spend more time with it. And you obviously love it because it's your number eleven. I love it. Um, so the last album we're going to talk about of this part, my number eleven. Um, I just want to say it's been a cracking year for Australian bands. Oh yeah. Um, we talked about Partway Drive earlier mm-hmm. being the next sort of arena metal band, which is. Yep. Awesome to yeah. see. Absolutely love that new Partway Drive record. It is cheesy when it needs to be and really heavy <laughs> when it needs to be. Anyway, uh, other Australian band, Pagan, the Pagan album is really, really, yeah, good. really good. I really like the Heartaches record. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, less so the Amity Affliction. I mean, we can probably just skate past that one. Yeah, give that one a mess. Bag of shite. <laughs> <laughs> um, but here's a, another really hotly anticipated record for me um, because I absolutely fell in love with this band um, late last year Camp Cope with How to Socialise and Make Friends how wholesome is that album title it's lovely it is and it's sort of wholesome uh, uh, sonically this album Um, but when it comes to raw attitude this album is right up there for me this year. Mm-hmm. So, this is a three-piece from Melbourne. Um, and, actually, before we go into it, I'm going to tell something really quickly. So, I've, as 
as has been mentioned multiple times on Bitching Brew, I have a shitty car. And in that shitty car, I have a shitty tape player. I have no CD player. I don't have a way to play MP3 players. Believe me, I've tried. But I have to stick with tapes now for some reason. Um, and a tape I picked up recently for a quid um, because I was like, a lot of people talk about this record being brilliant and kind of uh, one of the defining records of its era is Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know about Ironic and, um, uh, you know, the singles, You Ought to Know. This kind of makes me... I was listening to the Alanis Morissette record and I wonder if people felt about the Alanis Morissette record the way that I feel about the Camp Cope record because it's very sort of it's got a humour to it Mm -hmm. but it's also quite dark subject matters Mm -hmm. especially about love and relationships and sort of uh, human nature if you will um, over really sort of simple and catchy indie rock music there is so this album is kind of driven by the the, the feminist ideologies mm-hmm. of of the three members of Camp Cope, and there is a sense of solidarity and and you know it's a little bit corny, but a sort of sense of sisterhood amongst these these three uh, these three women. And this is a weird record for me to talk about. Um, it is very of its time mm-hmm. when you think about the socio-political landscape again me me too and all the awful things that came to light with that we're we're two cis white males i mean mm. you know it's it's not necessarily something we can talk with so much authority about mm-hmm. um but this really makes me feel a little bit angry at the world yeah um and it it's one of those albums that really really pushes me to make a change, mm-hmm. and I don't know how much of a change I can make as a as a as a cis white male. But um, should we talk a little bit more about the music? Sorry, yeah. I feel I feel like I'm kind of digging myself a bit of a hole because it's difficult when you're dealing with with subject matter, yeah, like that on on how to approach it. I will say this this record is. The second album where you've made me feel like a bit of an idiot for just never you you you're really keen on this, I actually it is my favorite one of all the ones that you've brought that I haven't awesome um I absolutely absolutely love it and it's been a struggle to listen to the other ones of yours because I because I just wanted to listen to this so <laughs> much. um I mean from the start Let's go on to the music side of yes, things. Because yeah. I feel like we've talked enough about the sort of the thematic side of things. Yeah. If that bass line at the start of the opener doesn't put a spring in your step, say mm. you're walking along, you've got your headphones on, and it, you don't have a spring in your step for that bass line, I think you're dead inside, yeah. to be honest. Um, there's a song called The Face of God, which is really poignant in the wake of the Me Too movement. It's obviously all about that, and it's about mm. you know sexual assault and... So poignant and so timely. Um, there's two tracks in the middle of the album. Uh, they're called Anna and Sagan, Indiana, mm-hmm. where Georgia Mack, whose voice I absolutely adore, yeah. yeah, she goes full force, and the power of her vocals um, is enough to 
make you weep. It's got a feeling of fragility to it, but on an almost contradictory level, it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that isn't enough on an emotional scale, the final track, it ends on a sort of solo song uh, called I've Got You, which is a song dedicated to George's late father. Mm-hmm. And that is heart-stoppingly beautiful. Yeah, it really is. Um, it's one of the most beautiful songs I've heard in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really glad you love this album. Yeah. I mean, I it, I love the kind of Australian folk punk Yes, thing. it is almost a little bit funky. Um, you know, it, it reminded me a little bit, a band I absolutely love called the Smith Street Band, mm. who, oh, who yeah, fuse yeah. a kind of Australian folk music with a with a punk mm. um musical canvas and, and this reminded me a little bit of that. Um she has got a great voice and everything she says kind of resonates with you because of how kind of amazing her voice is. Mm. That's that's such a simple no, way no. of putting it. But, yeah. And I think it's it's an album I want to listen to a lot more mm. um, but it does this really great thing of it is dealing with very current very important themes yeah but because it it sounds so nice and it and it's catchy at times that's a really great way to get those themes across mm. you know you can you can be snarling and shouty about them if you want to or you yeah. can kind of dress them up in this really lovely beautiful musical canvas which is what can cope of have gone the route of doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think they've got a lot of important things to say. Yeah. I would go so far as to call Camp Cope an important band in 2018. I think they are an important band, yeah. And I know how much it hurts for you to say the word no, important band. I think band. There, there's a time and a place to use important band and, and this is one of them. You need to listen to this band and um, if that sounds like it's going to be a little bit too heavy for you, especially if you know you have personal experiences with uh sexual assault um there is a sort of a wonderful lightness to the to the to the sound of this record mm-hmm. like you said almost folksy indie punk um semi acoustic in places yeah um i just think again it's just an album full of warmth and and it's full of the, heart it'll put a spring uh, in yeah the exactly it's not it's not yeah it's not um like sort of depressing or somber no. um it is incredibly uplifting and sort of gives you a bit of an awakening and makes you feel a lot more conscious if i almost compare it did, did you see again going back to films did you see the film Black Klansman mm-hmm. what did you think of it yeah I loved it okay that so I came out of the cinema feeling very emotional yeah um, about how you know it was set in the 70s but a lot of what the film's about is how it still ties to mm-hmm. to what's going on today it was um, released on the sort of first anniversary of the the Charlottesville attacks and the sort of the white power marches and, and what have you and and it made me feel very angry yeah and it made me want to do more um, and I feel like I'm in a little bit of an uncomfortable position sometimes where I am a cis white male but it was almost inspiring in a way to be more conscious mm-hmm. of what's going on in the world yeah and and to say no that's not okay Mm -hmm. to not be it's basically this album is the soundtrack to 
me going, you know what, enough with being complacent. Yeah. What's wrong is wrong, and I'm going to fucking tell you if it's wrong. I think one of the great things art can do, whether it's music or film, is reflect what's going on in the world mm. and 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 make you think about it and make you aware of it and, and make you look at, you know, whether or not you can make a change, which this does really, really well. Well, so that's the first half of our Albums of 2018 special. <laughs> Over two hours <laughs> long. We've still got ten more albums to talk about oh, and a bunch of other rewards to hand out. So um, we'll see you in a couple of days' time. Uh, Brad, thank you very much. Very um, well. I'll see you in about 20 <laughs> seconds' time. We're going to have another mince pie, yep. and then we're going to talk about our top ten albums of the year. And if that, if our 20 to 11 is anything to go by, then the top ten is going to be fucking ace. <laughs> thank you very much for listening, guys. We'll see you for part two. <laughs>